0: What's up everybody welcome to this episode of the grain of salt we are so glad that you are joining us today I sat down with my buddy Ryan and we talked about one of the most impactful books in my life called the kneeling Christian um, A book all about prayer if you guys have never read this book you've got to buy it. I actually heard about the book because Recap Gray, one of the pastors in our network, said that this was one of the top two books in his life that he would recommend to somebody. So I got it, and it proved to be true. Uh, just absolutely amazing, super convicting in my life, and I've seen so much fruit come from it. Um, so we talked about, there's 12 chapters in the book. We only talked about one chapter, and I'd like to come back to it in the future, but uh, just kind of introduced it today with Ryan, and we talked about uh, the little bit that we read. And um, yeah, thanks so much for being patient over the Christmas break. It was a long one, and uh, but we're back at it, so glad to be here. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. What it do, everybody? Welcome to The Grain of Salt. Been a while, a long while.
1: So long that you forgot the name of your own podcast. I'm,
0: I'm not going to say I did, but I had to pause for a second to remember what we're doing. We're just kind of jumping in right now. Uh. Hanging out. <laughs> Should I start over? <laughs> no, no, no. You're doing great, dude. Just keep it up. Keep it up, dude. Um, You're doing great. I'm here with, as you probably know his voice, my newest CrossFit convert, Ryan Hamby. Dude, you are my newest convert. This has nothing, first off, this has nothing to do with you.
1: What? I did not join CrossFit because of you.
0: Oh, you would have joined without me? <laughs> what? Uh, no, but also, Thank you. we don't want to talk about that. People... I do. I love talking about it. People love hearing about it. No, they Tom don't. Tom Biedenfeld even wrote on iTunes. He said, Nobody like, uses iTunes still. He said, I love this podcast. I learn a lot about CrossFit. That was one of the reviews. Yeah, he's being snarky.
1: He doesn't want to hear about it. Nobody does. And so we're not going to talk about it.
0: Ryan really wants to treat this like Fight Club. He's told me this. Yes. That he's really enjoying it, but he doesn't want people to know he's enjoying it. Please stop. They can hear that. Uh, he's really enjoying CrossFit. Are you not? It's fine. I can't. Why'd you give me coffee if I can't drink my coffee? You can't sip it like that. You taught me Anyb- to. Anyways, you taught me how to do that. Anybody who wants to join CrossFit with me, feel free. It's a great time. There's a great community there. Ryan loves it. He endorses it. What else is new? Uh, Dude, it's been so long. You went to Africa and came back in the time that I last recorded a podcast, I think. How was Africa? I became a year older. I went to Texas. I went to Africa. I bought a house. Amazing. I bought a house too, actually, since the last one. We both bought houses. Different houses. Yes. Really excited. I love Iowa City. I bought a house in Iowa City. Go Hawks. Um, What else? Any other quick updates? Oh well, you asked how Africa was. Yeah, yeah. You what didn't about really it? really give me a chance. To well, answer. I thought that you just were brushing over it. Oh no, no, it was a great time. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was setting you up for.
1: Right? No, I'm just messing. It was uh, splendid. I got to go with Mark Aaron, Jeff Dodge, a man named Marlon Rice, very smart, fun man from Ames, and uh, he's an entomologist. You know what that means? Bugs.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like a bug doctor. I wouldn't have known that if you hadn't already told me. Okay. So, gotcha. So, yeah. So we we had a
1: great time. We got to meet a lot of really cool people. Have our eyes opened to, uh, just the grand church and how wonderful the bride of Christ is. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Um, today we're gonna be talking about a book, as we usually do when we do a podcast together. Uh, I have no, genuinely have no idea how this is gonna go, where this is gonna end. What well, started um, off
1: super well so far. So.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to flip a switch and like actually kind of try and focus right now. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a little all over the place, but uh, we're talking about a book called "The Kneeling Christian," subtitle "The Essence of the Christian Experience." Who's it by? Originally, it was published under an anonymous author. Uh, he titled it from an unknown Christian. Uh, in the preface of the book, hold on, let me find it. Uh, He says that the book was written by request and with much hesitancy. He said it goes forth with much prayer. May he who said men ought always to pray and not to faint, teach us to pray. So he, he also says later in the book that it took him like months to write. Um, He didn't know what he wanted to say, but eventually I don't know how word got out who it was. His name is Albert Ernest Richardson Um, So if you have a copy of the book, yours may say that it's by him. It may not, um, but it's the same book. Besides the Bible, this book is by far the richest book that I've ever read. Wow. I I mean, I was thinking about that today like as I was kind of preparing for this, thinking, is there another book that's impacted me so much? I don't think so. And I would say that because every time I read this book, whether I read the whole thing or, or just a part of it, Nothing changes my actions more than this book. Like other books inspire me, whatever, you know, like give me a new way to think about something. This book literally changes my life every time I read it. And I don't necessarily remember like specific things that he says, but when I read it, like his style of writing, I'm sure this book resonates with me more than it will some people just because it's pretty straightforward Um But like this book literally makes me walk away and actually just start praying. So I I don't know if I've said that yet, but it's a book about prayer. Um, Everybody who's listening should buy the book. It's only $5 on Amazon. Just look up The Kneeling Christian. There's a bunch of different formats. I'm looking at the one with the orange cover on it and a (laughs) kneeling man in front of a cross. We bought all of our Salt Leaders one. I think it was like a dollar cheaper. It's a, that's by an unknown Christian, but I think it's like maybe four bucks or something. So everybody should buy it. Um, I have no idea how much we're going to get to today. Uh, there's 12 chapters in the book. I, I'm, I would surely love to come back to it and cover some more eventually, but today we'll probably just start off with the first chapter and see what happens. Sounds good. Um, and what else do I have? (laughs) Sorry just looked at me funny and made me think i said something weird i didn't look at you funny um it's an old book so it was written all it says is sometime before 1930 (laughs) it says that yeah on the back here oh my goodness that's like forever ago it said on the back it says this rich and inspiring christian classic written by albert ernest richardson who originally authored this was originally authored this, was as an unknown Christian sometime before 1930. (laughs) That's it. So there's no copyright on it or anything. It's like the oldest book ever. Yeah, like pretty much the oldest book. (laughs) It's like so long ago. Almost a hundred years ago. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's insane. I thought it was pretty good. I read this one. Yeah, yeah. You read it on the way to usually
1: Usually our style here is I don't read the book. You do read and then you Tell me what happened in said book. But and this you time. actually read this one. This time I read cover to cover. Amazing. And do you know the hardest part about finishing this book? Hmm. It was kind of like you said, you want to pray so badly in the middle of each chapter that you just put it down. And yeah. it, it's like really frustrating because it's not really a book that you can just read in one sitting. For sure. And so I struggled in such a fun way getting through the book. But hmm. wow, what a powerful punchy read
0: yeah he says uh i'll get to it but he, he tells you don't read this hurry hurriedly also since it's old there's a lot of weird wording as usually is when we read a book together and i stumble over my words anyways um like i mentioned earlier one thing i want to say before we dive in is his his writing style is pretty unique he's like kind of rebuking people for their lack of prayer. He is rebuking them, but he doesn't want it to be like condemning. He wants you to like just ponder why things are the way they are instead of just mm -hmm, like taking things as they are. And think about how like when he's writing these things, he's writing before 1930, sometime before 1930. But like nowadays, how much fast pace our life is how much things are distracting us like i think this book is more useful now than ever
1: so he you say that because he is calling out his day and age and saying yeah hey, you're too hurried you're too busy uh we're a very prayerless generation mm-hmm. and you're saying even now it might even be worse
0: and oh, so i think how 100%. timely
1: this book could be for us as 20 somethings for
0: sure and everybody else living in this age but i mean you were saying before you were like it's probably fair to just chalk up every single day and age as oh yeah a day and age that there is nothing new under needs, the sun. Yeah. Needs prayer. We're always going to be probably lacking. Right. Um, so let's just dig right in. Oh, one more thing I want to say is since this was written so long ago, I mean, it's a completely different culture. So be patient with his wording of things because I think like when I first read this, some of the stuff kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, the first chapter, chapter one's called God's Great Need. And right away, you're like, oh, d- okay, does God really need anything? No, obviously not. But just the way he's talking, it's hyperbolic. Which means what? It's hyperbolic.
1: <laughs> he uses hyperbole. <laughs> which means? You know. <laughs>
0: like, he just kind of says stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hyperbolic. So, basically... When I read this stuff, don't like freak out or jump to conclusions because it's just a different culture. So just be patient with him, give him the benefit of the doubt, and um, yeah, let's dig in. Anything you want to say before we dig in? I know you're probably looking up the definition.
1: Well, hyperbolic. The definition is relating to a hyperbola. (laughs) It's exaggeration. Okay. Yeah.
0: What's okay? uh, That's what. What's the thing in uh, algebra? Oh, parabola. Oh, yes. Did you think I was
1: talking about algebra?
0: No, but I was wondering if it was the same word that had different meanings, but it is different words with different (laughs) meanings. (laughs) All right. Chapter one, dude, God's great need. Chapter one, God's great need. I'm going to read probably a lot of stuff. So bear with me. God wondered, this is a very striking thought, the very boldness of the idea ought surely to arrest the attention of every earnest Christian man, woman, and child, a wondering God. Why, how staggered we might well be if we knew the cause of God's wonder, yet we will find it to be, apparently, a very little thing. But if we're willing to consider the matter carefully, we shall discover it to be one of the greatest possible importance to every believer on the Lord Jesus Christ." Nothing else is so momentous, so vital to our spiritual warfare. God wondered that there was no intercessor. He's talking about Isaiah 59, 16. It says, none to interpose. But this was in the days of long ago, before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, full of grace and power, helping our infirmity, himself making intercession for us and in us. Yes, and before the truly amazing promises of our Savior regarding prayer, before men knew very much about prayer, in the days when sacrifices for their sins loomed larger in their eyes than supplication for other sinners. So when he's talking about in this passage in Isaiah that God wondered, that's his first thought is what would make God wonder? Well, he's like, is there lack of prayer that there's no one to interpose for these people? But he's like, Oh no, but that was before Jesus came, gave us all these promises about prayer and gave us the spirit himself making intercession for us, right? He goes on to say, oh, how great must God's wonder today, must be God's wonder today for how few there are among us who know what prevailing prayer really is. Mm -hmm. Every one of us would confess that we believe in prayer. Yet how many of us truly believe in the power of prayer? Now, before we go a step farther, May the writer most earnestly employ you not to read hurriedly what is contained in these chapters. Much, very much depends on the way in which every reader receives what is here recorded for everything depends upon prayer. So, I mean, people are going to, this is going to hit some people like a ton of bricks. Some people, you know, it might just be like, oh yeah, this is a good reminder. Why are many Christians so often defeated because they pray so little? Why are many church workers so often discouraged and disheartened? Because they pray so little. Why do most men see few brought out of darkness to light by their ministry? Because they pray so little. Why are not our churches simply on fire for God? Because there is so little real prayer. The Lord Jesus is as powerful today as ever before. The Lord Jesus is as anxious for men to be saved as ever before. His arm is not shortened that it cannot save, but he cannot stretch forth his arm unless we pray more and more really we may be assured of this. The secret of all failure is our failure in secret prayer. So again, don't don't get caught up on when he says the Lord is anxious for men to be saved. Like he's just like the Lord desires that right, people be right. saved. Wow. Um, yeah. He goes on to say, if God wondered in the days of Isaiah, we need not be surprised to find that in the days of his flesh, our Lord marveled he marveled at the unbelief of some unbelief, which actually prevented him from doing any mighty work in their cities. But we must remember that those who were guilty Did you lose hearing in your left ear? I did too. Anyways, there is it better now, but we must remember that those who were guilty of this unbelief saw no beauty in him, that they should desire him or believe on him. What then must his marvel be today when he sees amongst us who do truly love and adore him so few who really stir themselves up to take hold of God? Surely there is nothing so absolutely astonishing as a practically prayerless Christian. These are eventful and ominous days. In fact, there are many evidences that these are the last days which God promised to pour out his spirit, the spirit of supplication, upon all flesh. Yet the vast majority of professing Christians scarcely know what supplication means. And very many of our churches not only have no prayer meeting, but sometimes unblemishingly condemn such meetings and even ridicule them. So backing up a little bit when he's like, there were people in Jesus' day that astonished him by his unbelief. He's like, yeah, we must remember that those those people had maybe just met Jesus for the first time. Like maybe didn't necessarily have reason to believe in him, like upon seeing him, but he's like, how great must his marvel be at those who claim to truly love him and who do truly love him, yet don't even pray or like take advantage of the promises that he made to them.
1: Right. So essentially the gradient he gave starting in Isaiah to Jesus' day to us now is it's it only makes more sense now that we would be a people of prayer than Absolutely. anybody in history.
0: Absolutely. Great. Yeah, that's great for clarifying that. Thank you. Um he's talking about the prayer meetings. I'm gonna skip a little bit, but he talks about how Spurgeon had the joy of being able to say that he conducted a prayer meeting every Monday night, which scarcely ever number ever numbers less than from a thousand to twelve hundred attendants. <laughs> That's insane. Every Monday night, thousand to twelve hundred people praying together. Wow. Unbelievable. He says, My brothers, have we ceased to believe in prayer? If you still hold your weekly gathering for prayer, is it not a fact that the very great majority of your church members never come near it? Yes, and never even think of coming near it. Why is this? Whose fault is this? Only a prayer meeting. How often have we heard the utterance? How many of those reading these words really enjoy a prayer meeting? Is it a joy or just a duty? Please forgive me for asking so many questions and for pointing out what appears to be a perilous weakness and a lamentable shortcoming in our churches. We are not out to criticize, far less to condemn. Anybody can do that. Our yearning desire is to stir up Christians to take hold of God as never before. We wish to encourage, to enhearten, to uplift. We are never so high as when we are on our knees. Mm. So I think that's important. Like, Give this guy the benefit of the doubt. Give him some grace because obviously he's just asking questions. He's poking and prodding. He's trying to stir you up. And like he says... We wish to encourage, to enhearten, to uplift. Uh, he's not trying to condemn anybody. He wants people. He wants Christians to just genuinely take hold of God as never before. Right. Um, he goes on to say, "Criticize? Who dare criticize another? When we look back, when we look back upon the past and remember how much prayerlessness there's been in one's own life, words of criticism of others wither away on the lips." So I mean, he's admitting there have been times of great prayerlessness in my life. But we believe the time has come when a clarion call to the individual and to the church is needed, a call to prayer. Now, dare we face this question of prayer? It seems a foolish query, for, not, for is not prayer a part and parcel of all religions? Yet we venture to ask our readers to look at this matter fairly and squarely. Do I really believe that prayer is a power? Is prayer the greatest power on earth, or is it not? Does prayer indeed move the hand that moves the world? Do God's prayer commands really concern me? Do the promises of God concerning prayer still hold good? We've all been muttering, yes, yes, yes. As we read these questions, we dare not say no to any one of them. And yet, has it ever occurred to you that our Lord never gave an unnecessary or an optional command? Do we really believe that our Lord never made a promise which he could not or would not fulfill? Our Savior's three great commands for definite action were pray this, do this, go. Are we obeying him? How often his command, do this, is reiterated by our preachers today. One might almost think it was his only command. How seldom are we reminded of his bidding to pray and to go. Yet without obedience to the pray, it is of little or no use at all to either do this or to go. In fact, it can easily be shown that all want of success and all failure in spiritual life and in Christian work is due to defective or insufficient prayer. Jeez. Unless we pray aright, right, we cannot live aright right or serve a right. This may appear at first to be a gross exaggeration, but the more we think it over in, light, in the light Scripture throws upon it, the more convinced we shall be of the truth of this statement. Now, as we begin once more to see what the Bible has to say about this mysterious and wonderful subject, Shall we endeavor to read some of our Lord's promises as though we had never heard them before? What will the effect be? All right. Yeah. So I'm gonna to get to that in a sec. He he finishes off the chapter with a story, which is kind of where I want to land. Okay. Um. Any thoughts before we do that? I mean, There's so many. Any? But no. That you want to talk about? If no. I mean, <laughs> if you just want to land land
1: yeah. this chapter, we can dive in. For sure. Can you not drink in the mic? It really distracts Stop. people.
0: I did not slurp it in the mic like you did. <laughs> it was hot. Um, can you hear all right? Okay. I can hear great. Great. So this is the story that he gives um, of his own life. So he says, some 20 years ago, the writer himself was studying in a theological college. One morning early, a fellow student who is today one of England's foremost missionaries burst into the room holding an open Bible in his hands. Although he was preparing for holy orders, he was at that time only a young convert to Christ. He'd gone up to the university caring for none of these things, popular, clever, athletic. He'd already won a place among the smart set of his college when Christ claimed him. He accepted the Lord Jesus as a personal savior and became a very keen follower of his master. The Bible was comparatively a new book to him, and as a result, he was continually making discoveries. On that memorable memorable day on which he invaded my quietude, he cried excitedly, his face all aglow with mingled joy and surprise. Do you believe this? Is it really true? Believe what? I asked, glancing at the open Bible with some astonishment. Why this? And he read in eager tones, Matthew 21, 21 to 22. If you have faith and doubt not all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Do you believe it? Is it true? Yes, I replied with much surprise at his excitement. Of course it's true. Of course I believe it. Yet through my mind, there flashed all manner of thoughts. Well, that's a very thoughtful promise, said he. It seems to me to be absolutely limitless. Why don't we pray more? And he went away, leaving me thinking hard. I had never looked at those verses quite in that way. As the door closed upon that eager eager young follower of the master... I had a vision of my Savior and His love and His power such as I had never had before. I had a vision of a life of prayer, yes, and limitless power, which I saw dependent upon only two things, faith and prayer. Hmm. For the moment I was thrilled, I fell on my knees, and as I bowed before my Lord, what thoughts surged through my mind, what hopes and aspirations flooded my soul. God was speaking to me in an extraordinary way. This was a great call to prayer. But to my, to my shame be it said, I heeded not that call. Where did I fail? True, I prayed a little more than before, but nothing much seemed to happen. Why? Was it because I did not see what a high standard the Savior requires in the inner life of those who would pray successfully? Was it because I had failed to measure up to my life to the perfect love standard so beautifully described in the 13th chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians? For after all, prayer is not just putting into actions good resolutions to pray. Like David, we need to cry, create in me a clean heart, O God, before we can pray aright. And inspire words of the apostle of love need to be heeded today as much as ever before. Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, we have boldness toward God, and then whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. He's quoting 1 John three twenty one. True, and I believe it. Yes, indeed, it is a limitless promise, and yet how little we realize it, how little we claim from Christ. And our Lord marvels at our unbelief. But if we could only read the Gospels for the first time, what an amazing book it would seem. Should we not marvel and wonder? And today I pass on that great call to you. Will you give heed to it? Will you profit by it? Or shall it fall on deaf ears and leave you prayerless? Fellow Christians, let us awake. The devil is blinding our eyes. He's endeavoring to prevent us from facing this question of prayer. These pages are written by special request, but it is many months since that request came. Every attempt to begin to write has been frustrated, and even now is conscious of a strange reluctance to do so. There seems to be some mysterious power restraining the hand. Do we realize there is nothing the devil dreads so much as prayer? His great concern is to keep us from praying. He loves to see us up to our eyes in work, provided we do not pray. He does not fear because we are eager and earnest Bible students, provided we're little in prayer. Someone has wisely said, Satan laughs at our toiling, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. All this is so familiar to us, but do we really pray? If not, then failure must dog our footsteps, whatever signs of apparent success there may be. Let us never forget that the greatest thing we can do for God or for man is to pray. For we can accomplish far more by our prayers than by our work. Prayer is omnipotent. It can do anything that God can do. When we pray, God works. All fruitfulness and service is the outcome of prayer, of the workers' prayers, or of those who are holding up holy hands on his behalf. We all know how to pray, but perhaps many of us need to cry as the disciples did of the old. Lord, teach us to pray. Sorry, that was really long. It's solid, man. But that's good stuff. That's, ugh, I messed up. I mean, he's just basically presenting these questions that he's asked himself like, if I read the words of Jesus and I take them at face value, like my peer did that one day, shouldn't that change the way I live my life? Right, like, shouldn't that make me marvel at like his promises? And again, I want to qualify by saying there's some stuff in here that's like a little. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if that's like theologically correct. You gotta be patient and kind of you know work it out and. Uh, but, but what he's saying is amazing. Right, I, I think, I think.
1: See, so yeah, sometimes I kind of feel like I was stub my toe on the mm-hmm. theology curbs that I feel like we were running up against sure um just in in what I mean by that is kind of using this book for ourselves and not understanding mm-hmm. the ultimate reward that was coming so you could get whatever you want that's what can motivate you about reading this book or hearing this podcast mm-hmm. or you could know Christ like you were intended to and actually experience uh him right now. Yep. Uh, like you were intended to. And so I think for me that's that's like just a quick like helpful reminder. But dude, this is this is what I was thinking during that while you were mm-hmm. reading all that. I was thinking a lot. But one thing I was thinking was why don't we pray? Like I just as mm-hmm. Joe Christian here. Yep. Like just a normal guy who's trying to follow Jesus, why don't we pray? Like, how would you answer that even just for yourself?
0: First thing that comes to mind is because it's the hardest spiritual discipline. Why? I think Spurgeon called it, like, truly a labor or something. Like, you, you're laboring mm-hmm. in prayer. Wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think because, well... I think more so today than ever before. Like we are such people of instant gratification. We want to know right. that like what we're doing is worth it right then and there. We want to see results. We ha- basically we have no appreciation for patience and like a long, slow process. Where are actually maybe, maybe God's answer in the prayer is just changing our hearts by making us be patient and just sitting and oh, reflecting geez. and thinking that kind of stuff. Um, I was going somewhere else with that. Basically, it's it's just hard. Oh, oh, oh I, I know what I was going to say. I consistently have to remind myself before I, like when I get on my knees and I am about to start praying, I tell myself, you're not just talking to yourself out loud. <laughs> you're actually about to engage in something where your creator, God, your father actually hears you and will answer these prayers you pray out loud usually not like out loud but like i mumble to myself or like yeah kind of whisper to. Myself. i try
1: to but then I, it kind of like trails off and then i realize i for a few minutes maybe i haven't been sure you're just out like loud. in your mind it's probably funny to listen to
0: yeah I, I i think i have to remind myself of that because i'm so wired for like the next thing
1: yeah so you say we don't you're not as prayerful of a man as you want because it's almost like it's just tough to fit into an agenda like it's tough to sure it if, doesn't just happen right it doesn't just happen like, you actually have to do it you and you like it's like visceral it's like you feel yes it it feel if you prayed for five minutes sometimes it feels like you were there for an hour
0: mm-hmm.
1: honestly that that's like the that's just the dark side of spiritual disciplines when like our flesh meets spiritual disciplines that's what it can feel like especially at first when you're just getting started mm-hmm yeah. For me, I think the reason I don't pray is I'm terrified of disappointment with the things of God. Mm. So what I mean is I am so scared to pray for specific things right? because if they don't get answered in the way that I am asking for, then God has disappointed and I don't believe in a, like, that. that's like not the relationship I want to have with God. And so I'm afraid of like God's glory being on like trial almost. Hmm. And his goodness and his like promises to be on trial, which is really just obviously like dirty unbelief on my part. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's wrong, but I think, I think that's why I don't pray is I'm afraid to have to be confronted with either, you know, whatever reason it is that something wasn't answered. I don't want to confront that. Does that make sense?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. How has, uh, Cause I mean, you just recently read this, what, past month? Yeah, about a month ago. A I month, finished over a month it, ago. I don't know. How has it practically changed oh, gosh. the way that you pray? Oh gosh. Um Or just the way you think about it, dude, I mean, anything. Like you said, endless
1: possibilities. Like he said Limitless. Some, limitless. That was the word. Like that's a great movie by with Bradley Cooper. Oh yeah. But this is even better. Like the <laughs> the world Okay, so that's actually a cool the greatest, most like, amazing picture of limitlessness in the world is taking a pill that makes you use 100% Unlock of your brain. Unlock
0: the other 90%. Yeah,
1: okay, that's what the Bradley Cooper movie is all about. So it's like, what if you hit this limitless yeah. limit and you took this pill and you were 100% of yourself? That's amazing. Wow. But what this guy's talking about, it seems like, is going beyond that and actually just letting a small ounce of God into your life and seeing what would happen. And that is like a far more compelling, uh, definition of limitlessness. Mm -hmm. Like there's just a whole new ocean to swim in there. Uh, there's more power to be unlocked. There's more miracles to happen. There's more
0: relationship
1: depth. There's more love. There's more life there. And so for me, since reading this book, I am like an inch deep in the ocean, I'd say but it's better than where I was a month ago. Sure. So I can't tell you that like all of a sudden all my prayers are answered because this magical book. Um, but the conviction has definitely stuck with me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Emily read it and she's like, I feel like the book was pretty redundant, which is a completely fair assessment because. Oh, no doubt. After this, he's basically, after this chapter, he basically just brings forth all this scripture and he's like, so if Jesus said this, why don't you pray? And then he shares stories and it's the same thing over yes. and over again. He
1: hits you on the head with this club over and over again.
0: Yes. And, and so, I loved it. Yeah. For some people like you and me, I just really enjoyed that continual bringing to mind of like, he, he brings up a man called Praying Hyde. Like that was his nickname was Praying Hyde. Like basically yeah. everything he prayed for. Sounds like a sick man. Yes. Like
1: No, like, like actually sick, oh. like not well, <laughs> like something about being called Hyde. I don't know. It's kind of like a gross. <laughs> I imagine like this hairy, sure, creepy, sure. sick
0: man. I think of him as pretty cool. Oh, okay. Praying Hyde. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, he just brings forth like this scripture or this story. Um, and he's like, basically see, see what prayer can do. Like if this is true, why don't you pray more? And so I really enjoyed that. I needed that. Um, I think the biggest difference it made for me was it brought this weird sense of faith into my prayers that like, this actually matters and this can actually move the hand that moves the world. Not in a manipulative way.
1: Right. By any means. But what a mystery.
0: Yes. What a true mystery. Yes, the mystery of like, God tells us to pray for th- my you know theology could be off on this but like my God tells us to pray for things and uses those prayers to do the things that he wants to do but he still wants us to pray them and yeah unbelievable it, it's i mean that's i have that's, so much to wrestle with that like so much of my theology of prayer still needs to be hammered out but like this book brought this sense of like wonder and excitement for me to pray and believe, go forth believing that I'm praying in Jesus' name and Jesus told me to pray in his name so that he may be glorified. And I believe he's going to do that. Sure. So.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's really good. I think it's done, like I said, it's taken me an inch into the ocean of prayer Mm -hmm. in the past month, but I think I have like far greater vision for hopefully now what my prayer life and just life will look like because of my prayers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like I think th- this is what I think I need to actually believe. And what I think all Christians need to wrestle into is like, don't be afraid of God disappointing you. You know what I mean? I don't think there's ever been a praying Christian who is a disappointed Christian. Like if somebody actually is a prayerful person Mm -hmm. and they have a relationship with the Lord, that person, no matter whether they got the very, very minute details and specifics of their prayer requests answered in just the way they wanted or not, that person has never left this earth disappointed.
0: Sure. That's good.
1: And so I think that's where I want to get to is, yeah, like ask God for things. And believe that he is good and that he loves me, but he's also better than I think he is, and he loves me more than I think he does. Mm -hmm. And I want to, yeah, hit the tape at the end of life, prayerful. Sure. And not disappointed, but just in awe of who Jesus is. And I guarantee, like I guarantee if I start keeping track of answered prayers, which I know something we want to do Mm is like our salt staff this, this semester is like, we want to pray specific things and see God answer them. And the coolest thing is I guarantee we will not be disappointed.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you have any practical tips or like advice for people who are like, okay, yeah, this is great. And you know, maybe we're inspiring people a little bit to pray more, but they're like, okay, what do I do? Sure. Do you have anything?
1: I would say pray the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of times uh, we don't know how to pray, and you know, so <laughs> that's
0: something we, we need to do more of.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, but it's like we, we're really bad at it, and we expect that to change overnight. But the way you learn to pray is to pray, yep. and I think the way you all of that actually happens is when you start in the word and end in the word, and like you can actually take God's scriptures that he has given to us and pray them back to him. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, that. that's so amazing. Like, the Psalms is a really awesome, obvious, low-hanging fruit there. Like, go to the Psalms, read read it, and then just line by line, just pray it back to God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know you're praying good words. Right. If you're ever worried about your prayers just, like, sucking, they won't if you, uh, you know, pray the scriptures. Yeah. It's pretty much a guarantee.
0: I've been praying pretty much the same way for like, maybe like four years now. Like in the morning, mm-hmm. it has a pretty, not rigid routine, but they, it takes a pretty similar form every morning. Is I picked it up from Keller's book, Prayer. It's a great book. Um, great title. Yeah. Yeah. Great title. He talks about the acts, prayer. So like right. A is for Adoration—you start with basically telling God who He is and adoring Him and, and whatever—and then see His confession. So basically, just coming to grips with the fact of who you are before God—that you're not as big of a hotshot as you think you are—and uh just basically humbling yourself before Him. And then T is for Thanksgiving, so you're thanking Him for everything. By that point, you're ready for the S, which is a supplication. Your heart's in a better place to start asking God for things. Yep. And then I always end with the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, try and pray through that. Um, so I don't know. If somebody's like, hey, I need help praying, I think some sort of routine or some sort of.
1: Oh, totally. Are you, but are you somebody who is good at, and be honest, you can't lie, okay? I won't lie. Okay. Are you somebody who's good at praying throughout the day, like just in passing, let's say? No. Okay. See, what's cool is I am really good at that and yeah. really bad at the, like what you say, I need desperately in my life. Like if you're more wired like me and you find yourself like able to just pray casually throughout the day Mm -hmm. and then you need to set time in the morning to pray and at night to pray. Right. And I think for somebody who is disciplined and good at setting aside that time, maybe in your closet on your knees, whatever that secret prayer is. And you are good at that. Like you, Mm -hmm. you should probably pray that you become just a more, Totally prayerful person throughout the day.
0: Yeah, and I have, and that's you know, New Year. We're kind of focusing on all this stuff, and one of the things is I wanna, I wanna pray in my car before I listen to the radio or like you listen to the radio. Well, my cassette, my cassette player broke. Wait, what
1: do you listen to on the radio?
0: AM eight hundred. You listen to AM radio sometimes. You're like as old as this. Book. Or 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 I turn on a podcast on my phone, but I can't hear it very well because I only have an iPhone seven and the speaker's not very loud. <laughs> Anyways, uh, before I listen to anything or call anybody, uh, I want to pray before that. So I'm not perfect at it by any means, but like it's helping.
1: Bottom line. That's great. Bottom line is, do you want to be a prayerful person? Pray. Yep. That's it. That, that's like, I mean, how yes. do you learn to pray? Pray. Yep. Yep. What tool do you learn to be that way? The word of
0: God. I thought you were going to say pray. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. yes. Dude, I...
1: Actually, I pray about praying every day. Oh, for sure. It's kind of weird, but I mean, instead of New Year's resolutions this year, I just have prayer requests. Nice. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a fun way to do it. But one of those is I want to be shaped by the word and be prayerful. And Mm so I'm forced, I'm forcing myself to pray about that. And yeah, it's actually really great. It's really fun to ask God to help you do something that you're actually doing.
0: Maybe I can lead us out here by, I printed off a few of the verses that he brings up later in the book. I didn't want to just like set this up without some of the scripture that he does right, hit sure, on the head. Sure. Um, so here's some of the verses. John 14, 13 and 14 says, Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 7 and 8 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. John fifteen sixteen, You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, this is John sixteen twenty four. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. Matthew seven seven, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Matthew eighteen nineteen. Again I tell you truly that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. In the last one, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So that's that's my charge as we close this out. It's the same thing that this guy's trying to do in this book. Present you with actual things Jesus really said that I'm positive he meant when he said them. Hmm. And like, think about them, chew on them, put them to the test and see what happens. Hmm. But also like, don't forget like why Jesus said these things so that the father may be glorified so that your joy which God is ultimately after he wants your joy so that it may be complete so that you may bear fruit like it's not for selfish gain I mean the the subtitle of this book it's like the essence of the Christian experience is being shaped by prayer because that ultimately Jesus is saying this is for your good this is what I want from you You got anything else?
1: Absolutely, I got one thing say that it. I would love to end with. Yeah, we should put ourselves to the test here. Okay, like if, if we're gonna say this stuff on air, is that what you call it on air? We're live. Well, on iTunes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. where people can pay ninety nine cents. Spotify, Spotify. Yeah, right. Well, for over Tom beatum, the Tom beatum fields on iTunes still. Sure. Um, we should actually come back in May or sometime near the end of the semester, mm-hmm. and come back to this book and actually see where we are and like see what, like recount what God has done for His namesake through our prayers this semester. Yes. And so you and I, what we should do is we should start keeping track of our prayers in our in our quiet uh, our quiet prayer time, mm-hmm. and we should get a list of things to bring back to say. Yep, this is what God has done.
0: Amazing. What would you say for the listeners? We might as well give them a prayer request,
1: like for us.
0: Yeah. Oh what, my gosh. What should we? What do we want people to pray for this year? For Salt Company, for Iowa City Veritas.
1: Yeah. Um. Oh
0: man, I have one that you can think. Okay, well, yeah, you I go, go first. But I'm stealing from you. It's what did you call it? Mission one person or whatever. Oh yeah, that. If people are thinking, all right, what do you guys need prayer for? What do you want the ministry to be prayed for this year? It's that every single person in Salt Company would have somebody in their life that they can like disciple and basically reproduce themselves or or bring somebody new and like walk with them, lead them to Christ. Totally. I mean, think about it. The simple math is like if everybody in Salt had one true person, like one true disciple, Salt Company would double at the end of the semester. Absolutely. That's maybe too simple, but maybe not. Well,
1: no, no, but it's not about the math, ultimately, even though that is very easy math for us. Mm -hmm. One plus one equals two. That's easy. Um, But the idea is the health that is underneath that. And so that is one of my three prayer requests for this year, this semester, is that Salt Company would double, but it's really, it's obviously not about the seating. Mm -hmm. It's about, Like what, yeah. What if every person that is a regular attender of salt company could experience the joy of the fruit of the gospel in their life with somebody like they Mm -hmm. actually bring a friend who they can disciple. Like they bring somebody who they can baptize. They bring somebody who actually falls in love with Christ as they have. And so dude, that's infectious, man. Yeah. That that's the kind of culture that by God's grace, we'll be able to see shaped here. Um, and so, yeah, I think that Operation uh, One Friend is my prayer request for Salt Company. Yep. That we would have a healthy ministry where disciples make disciples. Boom. Sweet.
0: You got another one or we're we just going with that?
1: I love that. Let's just stop there. Great.
0: Love it. Well, there you have it, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, any last words?
1: Let's go work out. <laughs> Gosh, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. If you made it this far, appreciate it. Uh, if you guys enjoy the episode, enjoy the podcast. Share it with your friends. Oh my gosh! I usually don't close. I usually don't do the closing uh, things with people in the room. But Ryan's still in here, anyways. Uh, peace out. We love you guys. Thanks.